You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call as today your Indiana Hoosiers defeat the Northwestern Wildcats 66-46 to in a game that featured a thoroughly dominant second-half performance by Indiana, especially on the defensive end of the court. And your Indiana Hoosiers have now won three games in a row. They are 4-2 and two in the Big Ten Conference and 11-7 and seven overall. And really, for the first time all season, it feels like the Hoosiers have some legit momentum, and we are excited to break this game down for you. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms. Ryan Phillips has NFL duty this afternoon, so he uh, w- sent us a text message, said this is obviously the most impressive performance of the season, but uh, is disappointed he won't be able to join us on the show. Uh, but wow, what a victory for the Hoosiers, uh, keyed by, as I said, just I mean, some of the best defense that we've seen uh, from an Indiana team in a long, long time. Uh, all right, let's start tonight's show as we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And, you know, I wrote down what I'm about to talk about for the Banner Moment, you know, when it happened, and nothing happened after that to make me change my mind. But as I was kind of reflecting right before the game, I wanted something for defense because defense was such the story of this game. And yet, I don't know that any specific moment stood out on defense. It was just the relentless focus and pressure and connectedness and togetherness that Indiana had on defense. So we're definitely going to break down uh, the impressive defensive performance. But uh, for the individual moment that stuck out to me, the banner moment, I want to take you back to the 1341 mark of the second half. And at this point in the game, Indiana was up 37 to 26. And it certainly felt like the Hoosiers uh, had taken control of the game. And this has been a point at times this season when Indiana's gotten up, but they haven't quite had the offensive punch, the firepower, the consistency to kind of take it to that that next level and extend a 10-point lead to 13 and and keep it going. Well, Robert Johnson missed a three-pointer from the wing. And Indiana, as it has done so often this season, hustled for an offensive rebound. I think Juwan Morgan hit it, uh, and then Colin Hartman tapped it back out, and Zach McRoberts ended up coming uh, coming down with the ball around the half-court line. And he kicked it out to Robert Johnson, who stepped right up, again, right after missing a three. Stepped up with what I wrote down was it was almost like conspicuous confidence. Like he just looked so confident stepping into that shot, drained it. It gave Indiana a 40 to 26 lead. And in hindsight, it really was the dagger. I mean, it felt like it at the time because it pushed that lead out to 14. I'm not sure Northwestern ever got closer than that. That was part of that big 27 to 2 run that Indiana had in the second half. And it was actually the second really big three-pointer Robert Johnson had hit to that point in the second half. And I'll talk about the other one uh, in the meaningful moment that you might have missed. But Robert stepping up and shooting with that kind of confidence in one of those you know, unguarded catch-and-shoot situations that we talked about on Assembly Call Radio this week, it's so important for this team to reach its potential here going down the stretch for guys like Robert Johnson to step up and be able to start making shots consistently. And I think at that point in the game, he was five of nine from downtown. He would subsequently miss a couple of them. But Robert finishes with a team lead of 17 points. He was 5'11 from downtown. And it was nice to see him, again, seconds after missing one, step up with such confidence despite the struggles that he's had and drain that shot uh, and really what put a lot of distance between Indiana and Northwestern and the Hoosiers never looked back from that point on in the second half. Our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based t-shirt and apparel company that is by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. And there are several reasons why you should be checking out HoosierProud.com. The first, of course, is their splendid designs. They obviously have our Assembly Call logo t-shirts, and so if you want to support the show and wear an Assembly Call shirt, you can go to HoosierProud.com and get those. They also have officially licensed IU gear, so basketball-themed shirts, football-themed shirts, soccer-themed shirts, they're all there. And they also just have some really cool designs inspired by unique elements of the Hoosier State. So go to HoosierProud.com, check out all of those different designs. And another great reason to shop there is you're supporting Indiana-based charities when you do, because our friends at Hoosier Proud are committed to 
those philanthropic efforts into supporting Indiana-based charities. So a portion of the revenue from t-shirt sales goes to support Indiana-based charities. And the third reason to go to HoosierProud.com. Obviously, they're very generous for you, for our audience here at the Assembly Call. When you use the promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, they will give you 15% off your entire order. So again, check them out at HoosierProud.com. Use the promo code ASSEMBLY for 15% off your entire order. All right, time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team, which today consists of one man, and that is Andy Bottoms. And it is time for his Bottoms line brought to us by iustore.shop. Well, it was, uh, you know, the first half was was pretty ugly, although I will say that as a fan of a football team now quarterback by Nick Foles, I am willing to embrace winning ugly. But I tell you that the beginning of that second half was was absolutely fantastic. I mean, the ball movement, uh, which was really present throughout the game. I think you had 17 assists on 23 made field goals um, and, and really kind of turned that 25 to two run started right around. Uh, the 17 minute mark and when Colin Hartman came in the game um, for Justin Smith and, and, you know, Justin had scored to the half for IU, but I think had had a couple lapses on defense and Archie took him out. Uh, and that group that was really kind of all veteran guys, the, the group of Hartman, Johnson, McRoberts, Morgan and Newkirk, uh, all juniors and seniors, they, uh, you know, they were a plus 17 uh, during the stretch before they got subbed out and, and not quite, you know, about about six and a half minutes. Um, and those guys just all played really well. Everybody made contributions, whether it was Newkirk making a, a lot of smart decisions in that stretch, uh, Robert and Juwan really doing a lot of the scoring and, um, you know, Colin with some, some nice passing as well. So, um, just a, a, a really, you know, to think that what the first half was turned into something that we'd all say was a beautiful, uh, a beautiful game was not something many people would have anticipated that we're watching the first half, but, um, yeah, just a, another really solid performance. Again, you saw guys step up, um, Morgan goes out with foul trouble and Roberts goes out with foul trouble. Uh, the bench played another big role as they have, uh, lately. And it's kind of been a revolving door of guys, but, um, you know, a lot of positive things to say about really pretty much anybody who got in the game. Uh, uh, today and, and the defense, as you said, was spectacular. I mean, Northwestern ends up with 46, and that's with scoring 12 in the last like three minutes and change. So, uh, yeah. a lot of garbage time stuff there. And IU really, uh, really made them uncomfortable. I think even to a point when uh, I think Clark Kellogg or somebody mentioned it on the game, and that's just something that we've talked about so often. And, and to actually see it happen was uh, was pretty fun. Oh, it was. Uh, and it, you know, that's the thing. The first half, when you think about it, it was ugly. I mean, that was some just absolutely ugly basketball, really, on both sides. And yet, you know, in hindsight, there was some beauty to it from an Indiana perspective, because when you think about the fact that, you know, three of your starters don't play 10 of a possible 60 minutes, and especially when one of those guys is a guy as important as Juwan Morgan, Justin Smith and Zach McRoberts being the other ones, you know, not just to stay afloat, but to have a five-point lead at halftime. I mean, that is a testament, obviously, to how well-prepared these guys were, you know, to the coaching of Archie Miller and just to some of the tough, gritty plays. You know, Freddie McSwain made a couple of nice baskets in the first half. Devontae Green, I thought, despite really struggling against the zone offensively, had one of his better defensive games in the first half. And it was all that little stuff adding up. And I think that's that's why this game is so impressive because we saw in the Minnesota win and the Penn State win you know, Indiana really needing to win ugly, you know, shots aren't falling and, and you know, you're just you're having to grind out every bucket it felt like. And that's really what the first half felt like, you know, and so it showed, you know, Indiana could grind out a lead against Northwestern. And then the second half starts and they start getting the ball to Juwan and Justin Smith starts working that short corner. and Robert Smith or Robert Johnson starts making three pointers. And finally, you know, you see kind of a beautiful stretch of offense that has been so few and far between for this Indiana team. But, you know, you kind of saw the potential. And so I think you saw the gritty, tough Archie ball in the first half to keep the lead. And then you saw what this team is capable of when they're clicking on all cylinders in the second half. Now, obviously, that's not going to happen, you know, all the time. Uh, and you're going to face opponents who, unlike what Northwestern was able to do today, you know, that are going to be able to make some buckets and, and not allow you to go on that kind of a run. But, man, it was impressive to see kind of both sides of it, the gritty toughness in the first half. And that same toughness in the second half, but then actually with some offensive firepower, uh, it really it kind of opens your mind a little bit more to what this team might be capable of here down the stretch. Well, and I, I mean, the the mindset that they had defensively and the way that they played once IU started hitting shots, I mean, Northwestern was just completely demoralized at that point because they really had not been able to score. But basically because IU hadn't played well in the first half, in large part, I think, because Morgan was out. Um 
you know, I think that they got demoralized pretty, pretty quickly because I think it was like, well, if you're going to play a team defending like this, how are you going to come back in this game? And they really just started, you know, it was Bryant McIntosh trying to go, you know, one-on-one and, and, you know, everybody else just looked pretty uncomfortable and reluctant to do anything. So, um, and I think for IU to sustain that, I mean, we've talked about being able to play well for longer stretches and have, you know, put together complete games and things like that defensively. I think without a doubt, this was the most complete game of the season. There was really, you know, if you want to say there was a lapse at the end of the game, that's fine. But um, really, otherwise, there were really no defensive lapses in the game. And I think that's obviously encouraging. Um, it was another game when, you know, IU led for all but 20 or well, no, they Northwestern only led for 20 seconds. I shouldn't say, I, you know, there was some some time that the game was tied. But again, it was a, um, you know, it was a, a, a really thorough defensive performance and i think that's something that we've all waited for and and i think it was as impressive to me not only that it started that way but that that didn't let up even when they started to make shots in the second half you're listening to the assembly call i'm jared morris here with andy bottoms breaking down indiana's impressive 66 46 win over northwestern let's talk a little bit more about the defense because you know coming into the game archie miller talked about how important it was uh you know for the guards in, in a couple of ways you know obviously the focus was bryant mcintosh this is a guy coming off a 16 assist, zero turnover game against Minnesota. Now, clearly Minnesota season is going off the rails, so maybe it's not that impressive uh, to be doing things against Minnesota anymore. But still, you know, 16 points, zero turnovers is a huge game, and we've seen Brian McIntosh play well against Indiana in the past. Well, he finishes today with just seven points, two assists, and three turnovers. And Scotty Lindsay, their leading scorer, finishes with just two points. He was one of 15 from the field. Now, obviously, him just missing some shots he normally makes was a part of that. But as I saw you tweet out, you know, Robert Johnson really played some good defense on him. And so I think, you know, this is a game where the guards really deserve deserve a hat, a hat tip. You know, Robert Johnson and Josh Newkirk, the starters, who I thought really set a good tone and played really solid uh, on both ends. Uh, and then also Al Durham and Devontae Green, who I thought both came in. And while their offensive contributions were a little bit up and down, Devontae especially, they both continued the strong defense. And there was a stretch in the, in the second half, actually, where Al Durham was guarding Vic Law, uh, who ended up as Northwestern's leading scorer with nine points, and really played him well. And so I thought the guard defense, the ability to control dribble penetration, the the ability, as you mentioned, to not allow them to be comfortable, I thought that really keyed the defense and I thought it's what allowed Indiana to continue playing good defense, even when Jawan was out, you know, and you had the middle being manned by Freddie McSwain and Clifton Moore, who, you know, try their hardest, but they're going to give up, you know, some opportunities just because they're not as consistent defensively. But being able to really pressure the guards kept Indiana's defense consistent all game. Yeah, I mean, when you look across Law, Lindsey and McIntosh, who are kind of their their guard slash wing players, they were a combined seven of 34 uh, for the game, I think. I mean, that. You know, I saw the the. I'm sure the possession that I have in my head of of Al guarding Vic Law is the same one that probably prompted you to say say something about that. But I thought you know McRoberts it was like 15 was, seconds of dribbling that Al yeah. stayed with him the whole time. Yeah, and McRoberts really frustrated him. I mean, he was really getting kind of physical on some of the rebounds. Like you could just tell he was really frustrated. The one he threw McRoberts to the ground, and um, I think I thought Zach did a really good job um, on him as well when he he played on him. But I thought Robert in particular uh, against Scotty Lindsay. Yeah, I mean. All 14 misses, I'm not going to chalk up to good defense. Some of that's just a guy, you know, not making shots. But some of that is also a guy who was, you know, maybe quicker to shoot. And, uh, you know, the moment he got a, a an inch of space to be able to get the shot up. But I thought um, I thought Robert did a really, really good job on him was, uh, you know, truly made him uncomfortable, pushed him away from the basket, didn't get any shots off the dribble without a hand right in his face. And, um, yeah, I mean, as you said, that can help ease some of the issues that this team's going to have because it doesn't have a – got some decent shot blockers but doesn't have a lot of size if you get people driving to the rim and i thought they did a really good job of keeping him in front and again as sustained as good a job sustained over a long period of time than we've seen uh over the course of the season from a you know guarding the dribble standpoint yeah and robert johnson led the team in rebounding with six uh you know newkirk had three al durham had three uh and Devonte green again despite his struggles offensively he had five steals uh, you know, and a couple of them, you know, he had a stretch earlier where he had two steals in a row that was, you know, kind of a really nice stretch for Indiana. Uh, and so, again, you know, in the second half, he didn't play very well. And Archie took him out after a couple of mistakes. But I don't want that to overshadow what I thought in the first half was probably the best defense that he has played uh, as a Hoosier. That was really impressive. Um, and, you know, the other thing about this game, Andy, and we'll obviously break down some more of the individual performances, but you kind of alluded to it earlier. 
I mean, you go up and down the roster and, you know, you think about the Minnesota game and it's like, all right, you know, Jawan, Justin and Robert played well. And then everybody else was like a black hole, you know, and then the Penn State game, you know, you had Newkirk play well, but Justin Smith didn't. Justin Smith doesn't really show up today. I mean, you look up and down pretty much everybody who played made a positive contribution. And, you know, so outside of Devante struggles offensively, there's not a whole lot of nitpicking. Like this was just a really solid game with guys eliminating some of the dumb mistakes, no real bad stretches. And that in and of itself really feels like progress for a team that has been such a roller coaster. And, you know, who knows? I'm sure part of that is just, you know, getting comfortable with each other, especially with Deron Davis out, you know, now playing with some of these new, these new lineups, longer stretches, getting more comfortable with Archie's system, guys getting more comfortable in the roles. This team seems like it's starting to settle into, you know, something that can become a much more consistent unit. Yeah, I mean, we joked about, you know, we may never see all the guys on this roster hitting at the same time, but today I think does show the depth and the balance. You've got eight guys who scored at least four points. You've got eight guys who grabbed at least three rebounds, six guys with at least two assists, and five guys with at least one steal. I mean, that, that as you said, is when you really look down the roster, you know, everybody made a contribution. And, and to really, you know, kind of hold things together in that first half without Juwan, because then in the beginning of the second half, he showed just how important he was for them to be able to run the offense through him, uh, particularly against his own and some of the nice passes and finishes that he had in there. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, you know, we, we thought initially that depth would at least be a strength of this team and some of the experience. And there have been times that I think we've all wondered whether that's true. But I mean, I, I cited a lineup that was full of juniors and seniors that blew the game wide open. And we've got, you know, you know, nine to 10 guys that we would say played really well and made positive contributions. So, um, you know, the bench scoring has been uh, something that really has, uh, you know, these last couple of games has really stood out. And I think that's going to continue to be important. Um, you know, as I, you can't, you know, can't seem to keep itself out of foul trouble in some ways, but um, that was really a big edge. You know, Northwestern ended up with 12 bench points, but I think so many of those came during that stretch at the end of the game. Maybe all of them uh, came during that stretch at the end of the game. So, um, you know, I think for quite a while, it was probably, you know, night, you know, 15, it was 15, nothing bench points at halftime. I think it was probably 17 or 19 to nothing late into the game um, where that's just a huge edge that they have. And I think if you looked at the rebounding and assist numbers off the bench, you'd probably see something similar. Yep. All right. Coming up on the assembly call, I will point out tonight's meaningful moments that you might have missed and we will go inside the numbers. That is next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. Hey, just a real quick note here. The next time that you are going to shop online for IU gear, use the URL iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store where they have anything you could possibly want. Candy stripe pants, the Script Indiana warm-up shirt, all kinds of IU gear. And that URL, iustore.shop, is actually our affiliate URL. So when you use it, and buy something, we get paid a commission. So it's a great way for you to shop for the IU gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time. Again, the URL is iustore.shop. Please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy IU gear. We appreciate it. Now back to the show. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, breaking down Indiana's 20-point demolition of the Northwestern Wildcats. And it is time for today's meaningful moment that you might have missed. And there are a couple of them that I want to point out. You know, once again, I thought Indiana really did a nice job at the end of the first half and the beginning of the second half. Those had been trouble spots for the Hoosiers, and they really seemed to have fixed whatever may have been ailing them. Uh, in the first half, if you go back, you know, it was 18 to 15 and Indiana had built I think like a 13 to three or a 15 to three lead and Northwestern kind of chipped away. And it looked like they would get themselves right back into it, you know, and, and, and it would be kind of a back and forth game that it would settle into that. Well, I thought it was really big that when it was 18, 15 and the Hoosiers are really struggling offensively, Robert Johnson and Colin Hartman nailed back to back three pointers and that pushed it right out to 24 15 Northwestern would end up chipping away a little bit, but it was still a five point lead going into halftime. And I just thought those two threes by those guys really helped when the offense was struggling and gave Indiana kind of the lead it deserved at that point, because it could be, I think, a little bit demoralizing if you play defense that good that well and you don't even have a lead. And it looked like Northwestern was about to come you know, all the way back and tie it or take the lead themselves. And so I thought those two threes, 
to reassert Indiana's control of the game by seniors were really important. And I thought Robert Johnson hit another three in the second half. And, and, and we certainly should talk about the stretch at the beginning of the second half where Indiana, you know, fixed its zone offense problems, you know, by getting the ball inside to Juwan Morgan, having Justin Smith work the short corner. They did that on three out of the first four possessions and it worked beautifully. Indiana got a good look at the basket every time. And that was impressive. But I thought there was another three by Robert Johnson that was really important. You know, Scotty Lindsay, the only bucket he made was that dunk that he had along the baseline. It was a big dunk. You know, you saw their bench get into it. Chris Collins is kind of getting into it, clapping, you know, you know, trying to implore the guys to play good defense. And again, you kind of felt, all right, Northwestern's going to settle in here. This is going to be a back and forth game, you know, starting to build some momentum. We go right down and Robert stepped up and drained a three to put Indiana back up seven. Again, it was an assist from McRoberts, as was the play I mentioned during the banner moment. And, and those kind of shots have been missing at times. And so I think for Robert, you know, to make that three in the first half when the offense is struggling and then to make another one when Northwestern is starting to feel momentum and then to make another one when you're up 11 to push it to 14 and essentially slam the door. You know, those are the shots that you want seniors to make. And so I think all those shots uh, were really, really important um, for Indiana. And, you know, and they show what three point shooting can do for this team, because this is not going to be a team that's going to be driven by its three-point shooting, and they need to focus on getting the ball inside, and they did a better job of that in the second half. But still, I don't think it's a coincidence that Indiana had this great performance, and they made eight three-pointers, uh, you know, which is a good number for them. They shot 34.8% from downtown, which is certainly better than what they've shot this season, um, and a lot of them were important threes at big times um, for the Hoosiers. What other stretches really stood out to you? What other moments really stood out to you, Andy? You know, the Hartman three was an interesting one because I, I just looked back while, while you were talking. Um, you know, he hit a big one from right about the same spot in the Penn State game at, at roughly a similar point in the game. Um, that was where he got the four-point play where Penn State had taken the lead after a run and, and his three from that spot in the corner really stemmed the tide. So um, it was about two minutes away from in, in game time when it happened in the uh, in the game today. So kind of interesting that those were a couple of big shots from him. Uh, you know, it, some of it to me was was just the relentlessness in the you know in the in the second half. Even when things really started um, to go well, where you had guys just really, um, you know, Justin Smith with a you know really working hard on a tip in up you know twenty three and and yep. um, was super active on the glass in that play. Um, you know, the, one, was the, the one, one play where Juwan Morgan ran the floor and just beat everybody on Northwestern back and Robert found him. And yeah. I think that that was when it was a 17 to two run at that point. Yeah, there was there was that there was the the kind of quick sequence of passes from from Robert to Hartman uh, to Juwan for the uh, for where he made the basket and got fouled yeah. uh, right right at the uh, kind of led into the under 12 timeout. I mean, that was just really good ball movement. And there were a couple of plays where in that same stretch where Josh Newkirk really made some smart plays. Uh, I think it was Jeremy Price. You know, there was one of them where he didn't dribble and, and penetrate too far where he cut off his angle for the pass. And so he stopped at a, kind of at the elbow and was able to feed a nice pass into Juwan Morgan for a basket there as well. I thought he, um, you know, did some nice shot fakes and things like that where he didn't take bad shots. He didn't he wasn't out of control um, and really made some solid passes during that stretch as well. So he didn't score as many points uh, during that. I think he had a three kind of as the capper. Uh, on that run, but I don't think he scored uh, too much other than a couple free throws in that big, you know, big run to start the half. But I thought he made some really smart plays during that stretch as well. Yeah, you know, Newkirk had a really kind of understated solid game today. You know, again, 12 points, a couple of assists. He had three rebounds. He was two of three from downtown. So he was the most efficient uh, of Indiana's three point shooters. And he spent, a, a, you know, a long time guarding Bryant McIntosh today. And so I thought this was this was the kind of game that you need from Josh Newkirk. Just solid you know every now and then he explodes for a spectacular game and every now and then you know he completely falls off the face of the earth if indiana can get this from josh newkirk again this is a big part of this team just becoming consistent because i like you said i mean he was really solid and it was just making some of those just smart solid plays you know not over dribbling keeping his angle i thought that really contributed to it yeah, I mean, that's, you know, a couple games in a row that he's played really well. He was terrific in the Penn State game, um, was a big reason they were able to win that game with 16 and then to come back and follow that up with a, a good performance. I mean, you know, a lot of the, the talk of the shooting and things like that, we all kind of talked about, oh, it's a confidence thing, things like that. I think it's good to see a guy like him, uh, you know, stack a couple of good games, you know, in, in succession, and hopefully that gives him some more confidence on the stretch. But I thought his his decision-making lately has been really, really good. And, I mean, if you look, 
you know, he had no turnovers in 30 minutes uh, against Penn State and today had two in, in 30 minutes. So, you know, for Josh Newkirk to play 60 minutes of basketball and have two turnovers and score 28 points, uh, I, I think is you know, maybe, maybe more than what's reasonable to expect, but, uh, certainly a good sign for him, uh, going forward. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all will. Yeah. You're listening to the assembly call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy bottoms, breaking down Indiana's most impressive wire to wire performance of the season, a 66 to 46 victory over Northwestern. Andy, it's time to go inside the numbers. And one number that really jumps out to me, and this is more of an individual number, but you know, you look at the plus minus today, Juwan Morgan was plus 21. And he did that in only 16 minutes. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Indiana won this game by 20 points. You know, I think at the end of the season, when you look at the game log for Juwan Morgan, this is not going to be a game that stands out. He only scores eight points. He only grabs five rebounds. This is a guy who's been getting a double-double or threatening, you know, for a double-double almost every single game. And obviously a big reason for that is he picks up those two fouls really early within the first two minutes and sits for the rest of the half. And I continue to not be a fan of that strategy, but Archie did it today with Justin, Jawan, and Zach McRoberts, and it didn't bite him in the rump today uh, because obviously Indiana you know, kept the five-point lead at halftime. Um, but you know, who knows? Maybe Indiana's up by 15 or 20 if those guys play more, and Jawan played the second half without fouling. So he's a guy that I think you can trust to play without fouling. So anyway, I don't want to rant too much about that because Indiana did win by 20. But again, you know, Jawan only plays 16 minutes and he's plus 20. And so I think despite the numbers not being overwhelming, this, you know, outside of the Notre Dame game, perhaps no other game has highlighted just how important he is because you saw how the offense really stagnated without him. And then he comes in at the start of the second half and the offense just looks like gold again. You know, all of a sudden we know what we're doing against the zone. We're getting the shots that we want. There's so much attention on him and he's so good at making that decision now, you know, you think back to the start of the season when sometimes he would hesitate a little bit when he would get the ball. I feel like he's really making the decision quicker, whether he's going to attack and get his shot or whether he's going to pass. And CBS even isolated that one play where he got the ball inside and you could see where they paused it, that his head had turned and he could see Justin Smith out of the corner of his eye and made a little tap pass to Justin Smith almost before he landed on the ground and Justin scored. And so it really highlighted all the different elements that Juwan brings to this team, uh, you know, when he was off the floor and when he was on the floor. And so the fact that Indiana's margin of victory was very similar to Juwan's plus minus, uh, no surprise at all for a guy who just continues uh, to prove that he's one of the most valuable players in the Big Ten. Yeah, I actually, when I was charting the lineup during the game, I actually had him at plus 25. So it might be even better than you, than you oh, thought, wow. <laughs> um, depending on when you look at it. But yeah, I mean, I, I thought he made... Um, and he and Justin worked really well together as they did that. I mean, there was, you know, a couple of plays there in a row where he, you know, anticipated where he was going to be and and he was actually there. Um, so those were, you know, he just continues to to impact the game in a lot of ways. I mean, in, in just a few minutes in the second half, I think he had, uh, you know, early on, he ended up scoring eight points in the half. But I think most of those came early. I think he had eight points, four rebounds, two assists in the in the half, maybe, you know, six, eight minutes into it. Yeah. Um, so he just. Yeah, I mean, it, for for those of us who continue to say, you know, he's maybe not getting enough discussion in, um, you know, some of the all Big Ten or, you know, even fringe Big Ten Player of the Year type things. I mean, it, your point was correct. I mean, that, today, um, while it wasn't a great game for him statistically, highlighted just how important he was when you look at the, you know, how how fluid the second half was and how choppy the first half was. Yeah, and by the way, the official IU box score has him at plus thirty, so yeah. it just keeps getting better. <laughs> there were some weird, there were some weird things where like they didn't sub him out correctly, I think, in the thing. So I think that's why that one's a little bit higher. So I, I think my plus twenty five is pretty good, but I, I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't stake my life on it. Yeah, I mean, the only guy who slowed him down today was his coach <laughs> by taking him out in the first half, really. <laughs> so, um, I will say though, he's got to be careful on those fouls. The second foul he picked up was a moving screen those little cheap fouls he can't pick up because he's really good at defending without fouling. So those kind of little fouls away from the basket, you know, he's obviously got to be smarter because he's just so valuable to the team. Uh, let's talk about some other numbers. Uh, you know, a lot of them jump out. I think the turnover percentage differential, Indiana turns it over on 17.5% of their possessions, uh, which is a solid number. They only had 11 turnovers total. No one had more than two. Northwestern turns it over 17 times. Uh, that's a turnover percentage of 26.3%. You know, sometimes you look at that and that could be a team just making unforced errors. And while Northwestern had a few of those, I thought Indiana's defensive pressure 
and relentlessness was a big reason why Northwestern turned it over so much. And that obviously was a major contributing factor to their low points per possession number. And then, Andy, the other number that jumps out, and we've been talking about this number a lot this season, but the assist rate. Indiana assisted on 74% of its made field goals. And Clark Kellogg even talked about this on the broadcast. But the Hoosiers had 17 assists on 23 made field goals. And this is a number that has been much better. You go back to the Fort Wayne game. One of the biggest things Archie talked about after the game wasn't the poor three-point defense. It was how Indiana's selfishness offensively led to poor defense. And really since then, I don't know, maybe the Wisconsin game wasn't as good, but the assist rate has been much, much better almost every game. And it was clearly a, a, a point of contention for their coach. And the guys really seemed to have internalized it because the ball movement was good, you know, I almost thought guys overpassed a little bit and passed up some good looks that you'd like to see him take, especially Colin and Robert a couple of times. Uh, but overall, that was much better today as well. Yeah, that was that was definitely one that stood out to me. I mean, just to, to kind of put the Northwestern turnovers into a little bit of context. I mean, after this game, uh, Ken Palm's already updated. They're just outside the top 100 uh, at 17.8 percent. So that obviously contains today's game, contains today's game. So they're, you know, a top 100 team at taking care of the basketball. When, one of the things that they have typically done pretty well that you'd expect a team that that has a a veteran backcourt to do. Um, so I do give uh, IU a lot of credit for that. Yeah, the assist is one that that really stood out to me. And, and you know, we've talked both from an assist to turnover ratio as well as from a assist rate uh, for IU. And, you know, I think seven and nine, you know, only made nine shots in the first half, but they assisted on seven of them. And then the second half, I think it was 10 out of 14. Uh, and I would I would venture to say that during that stretch where, um, you know, where they really blew the game open, it was almost every one of them was a result of one to two really good passes that set things up. And uh, I think some of that, it has a little bit to do with it. They continue to, it feels like these last few games move a lot better uh, without the ball. And I think those things have uh, manifested themselves a little bit and just some, some more open looks, but um, guys are certainly, certainly willing to pass the basketball. And I think that's a good thing. And just four turnovers in the second half uh, I thought was, I thought was really important as well. Uh, you know, free throw shooting. That was one of the positives the other night. If you want to look for a negative 12 to 22 from the line, uh, was probably the biggest one from my standpoint. Juwan was 0 for 4. Justin Smith missed both his. Um, yeah. You know, outside of Newkirk going 4 for 4, um, you know, not a lot to not a lot to love there. Um, so it certainly didn't bite him tonight, and they, they shot him well in the game against Penn State when it really mattered. But, um, yeah, if, if there's anything to nitpick, I would guess that that would be it. But really, uh, aside from that, I thought, you know, really unselfish play the rebounding continued to be pretty good um that was yeah, a, kind of, you know, it was about even today uh, yeah. you know which is which is solid yeah i think when the game was really in doubt and it's one of these where like i wish you could kind of go back and like you know pick a box score at a point in time yeah. uh, and see what it was because i do think a little bit of that that tightened up a little bit it certainly wasn't the same margin that we've seen but but again being able to kind of hold their own on the glass and, and play really well there uh being you know undersized against Virtually anybody at this point, I think, is uh, is a positive for for them, and um, you know, I, I you know, nine steals out of those out of those turnovers is is big as well because those are at least you know creating some live ball situations where you can get easy baskets, which this team's going to have to uh, continue to try to get. Yeah, you mentioned the Ken Palm numbers updated. Indiana now 89th in the country in Ken Palm uh, with the latest victory. Uh, still two spots below Iowa, which you know seems a little bit curious, but whatever. We'll let the sample size get a little bit larger for the computer. But importantly, Indiana seven spots ahead of six and eleven Vanderbilt, who sits at 96th, uh, which might be an interesting note for someone who is in attendance at the game today, uh, sitting behind the Indiana bench. Uh, <laughs> one more number I want to mention before we go to the next segment, Andy, uh, is two. And that's the two blocks for Clifton Moore. So, you know, Clifton got seven minutes. He played in the first half, uh, you know, so they weren't just garbage time minutes. Uh, and while he wasn't really able to get involved offensively, I thought both of those blocks showed pretty impressive defensive instincts. I think if I remember correctly, both of them, you know, he was playing help defense and came off his man, you know, to block a shot of a guy who was driving to the basket. Uh, so both, you know, uh, really impressive, uh, block shots for Clifton Moore, you know, kind of flashing a little bit of the potential, um, you know, and so obviously hopefully he'll be able to get some more minutes, be able to do a little bit more with them. Um, and I think he showed when he got thoroughly lost on defense and Northwestern got its only easy two pointer uh, of the game and Derek Pardon got that dunk. He still got a long way to go to be able to read what to do on a pick and roll and to kind of know where to be. Uh, but I thought the two block shots really flashed some of the potential that he has defensively. Yeah, it was it was interesting. It was I thought he did well in those help defense scenarios where he could really rotate over and block shots. Uh, but I thought in in most other phases of defense, like you can 
probably look at that and point to it as this is why we haven't seen him more, um, you know, to date. And, and uh, you know, it's all part of the learning process. But I think as, as you look at reasons why, you know, Archie is or isn't playing guys, I mean, I think our default answer at this point is they probably aren't doing what they need to do defensively. And I think that's probably reasonable for him. Um, but it was, uh, in some ways, I think the foul trouble and, uh, and some of the things today were maybe a blessing in disguise that did get him a little bit of game action. Um, and so I, I think as a shot blocking presence, he can certainly provide some value and he may not get more minutes than he got today uh, in a number of games, but at least for him to be able to step in. And, and again, you know, we could you know point down the roster. He made some positive contributions. He had a steal as well uh, in, in his seven minutes. So, um, you know, good to, for him to just get some minutes in a big 10 game, quite honestly. And, and at a point in the game when it actually mattered, uh, I think is a positive thing, but yeah, I, I, you can, you can see the flashes that are there, but you can also see, Hey, here's why this guy might not be playing as much as people may want him to. Yep. All right. Coming up on the assembly call, we continue our breakdown of Indiana's very enjoyable, very positive 66 46 victory over Northwestern. That's next on the assembly call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game and every Thursday night on our YouTube channel youtube.com slash assembly call you can also view all of our live broadcasts right on our homepage at assemblycall.com i'm jared morris here with andy bottoms we are breaking down indiana's victory over northwestern uh and andy i wouldn't mind spending a little bit of extra time this show kind of looking ahead to that michigan state game that we have coming up friday obviously we can do you know pretty detailed uh preview of that one on assembly call radio on thursday um but before we do look ahead to that game which I don't know, seems a little bit more winnable now than it did maybe 48 hours ago after Michigan State took a loss to Michigan by 10 points and Indiana played how they did today. Uh, I want to talk about just you know what other individuals jump out to you. The one guy that I want to talk about is Freddie McSwain, who didn't do a whole lot in the second half because he didn't really need to because Juwan and Justin played a lot of minutes. But I thought the minutes that Freddie gave us in the first half were really important You know, with, uh, with Juwan and Justin both on the bench. Freddie came in, he grabbed five rebounds for a good stretch there uh, before that stretch where Robert Johnson and Colin Hartman hit the two three-pointers, Freddie was our leading scorer. And what I thought was really impressive about the two buckets that he made is that they are the kind of baskets that he's definitely not making last year and probably you know earlier this season he's not making. And so maybe he got lucky on a couple of them or maybe he's getting a little bit better because on one, he was on the move and Robert Johnson gave him a really tough pass to handle uh, on a little fast break opportunity and Freddie caught it you know, got the ball up and made it. And then on another one, uh, in one of the only kind of positive possessions that we had against the zone, he got the ball at the elbow and took a couple dribbles to his left and was able to to make a bucket. So you don't often see Freddie doing successful things offensively when he has to do more than just grab an offensive rebound and put it back. But I thought he showed, you know, a, a little bit more competence there, uh, you know, on the move with the ball. Also had a couple of assists, you know, didn't have any bad shots that he took. Uh, only had one turnover and for the most part played pretty solid defense without any major breakdown. So in a half where Indiana needed its bench guys to step up and provide some solid minutes, Freddie uh, was one of, of a few guys who was really able to do that in the first half. Yeah, I mean, he if you look at his, I think this is just his first half numbers. Yeah, he played 13 minutes in the first half, four points, five rebounds, two assists, uh, and a steal. And I, I think, you know, a lot of it with him is just activity level. He you know, just relentless on the glass. Um, and that creates some scoring opportunities for, for other players. And, and this team, again, when they're not clicking offensively, like they weren't in the first half, uh, to be able to find a way to get some easy baskets was important. I thought he was a big part of that. Thought Al Durham played well off the bench in the first half as well. He ended up with three rebounds and was one of the, you know, those two, uh, were the two leading rebounders in the, in the first half, I believe. So, um, you know, I thought he played well, saw him make a couple shots today, which I think is a, is a positive for him. He's really, you know, hadn't scored a whole lot. And, you know, as he's kind of gone through the stretch and I thought he, you know, only played five minutes in the second half, but did, you know, make a, make a shot in the lane. So I think good to see him, uh, you know, be able to, to see a couple go through the basket. Hopefully he can, you know, start to build some of his confidence back up. But I thought th both those guys really gave a good lift uh, in the first half when uh, when McRoberts and Morgan went out because they were really the first guys that, that Archie turned to, I would say. Yeah, and, you know, we, we mentioned Colin Hartman uh, a little bit, you know, the, the buckets that he had in the first half, which were big. You know, and this was kind of a Colin Hartman game. He had six points. He led Indiana in assists uh, with five assists, had a couple of offensive rebounds, you know, kind of getting back to doing Colin Hartman things today. Uh, you know, nothing spectacular, 
but made little plays when Indiana needed it. You know, it kind of felt like when the team was in a bit of a lull offensively in the first half is when he looked for a shot a little bit more, almost sensing, hey, I'm a senior. I need to step up and do this. Uh, and as he, you know, has done his whole career, just in the right place defensively, you know, playing solid defense. And so uh, another guy, you know, um, among those guys off the bench who was really important in the first half. Yeah, he, you know, I, I agree with you. I think he's, he really is picking his spots offensively. And I don't know, you know, they talked about, I don't, I don't remember what it was on Twitter or on the broadcast. They talked about everybody just kind of said he just seemed uncomfortable um, just from a, a physical standpoint with the, you know, shoulder brace and, and those kinds of things. But, um, you know, really did a good job of playing through it. Again, that three-pointer was a really big one in the first half. And then the assist really coming out. I think the combination of of he and Juwan playing together during that, you know, that 19-2 uh, or that uh, that plus seventeen stretch while the while that group was on the floor that I referenced earlier, um, I thought he did a really good job of you know the assist that led to the assist uh, in a number of cases, and I think the two of them just a couple of really smart players out there on the on the floor, uh, you know, making some solid passes and 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 being in the right spots, which is exactly what you'd expect from him and exactly what you'd expect from from veteran guys. Um, as much as we you know felt like we weren't getting that not too long ago. Um, you know, I think that the kinds of leadership, you know, we talked after the Wisconsin game, you know, they stood outside the locker room and said kind of the same things that they've been saying. Um, it, it felt like before, but I think, you know, again, stepping up in those big spots as, as he did uh, and really has these last couple games in the in the first half, I think is, is a good way for him to show that leadership. And, and those guys have really responded since then. Pop quiz for you, Andy. What, where is Indiana ranked in Big Ten play and defensive efficiency? Well, I actually know this because you look? When, you, when you said, well, I did, but uh, when you said the number two earlier about the Clifton Moore block shots, I thought that you were going to say that that was IU's rank in uh, conference play and defensive efficiency. So, yeah, I do. I do know. Yeah. Second, Indiana second enforcing turnovers. Uh, so, I mean, the defense is just I mean, it's it's night and day, uh, you know, the, the way that this team looks defensively. I wanted to ask you, you know. If someone isn't really paying close attention, especially someone who hasn't paid close attention to the NCAA tournament, if you just watch the broadcast and listen to to Clark Kellogg's, and I love Clark Kellogg, but it seems pretty clear that he's not much of a bracketologist, probably doesn't study this stuff too much because he seemed to have a more flowery opinion of Indiana's NCAA tournament potential uh, than maybe is realistic. Do you want to give us a quick reminder of where the Hoosiers stand and what, if anything, does a win like this do? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, Ken Palm right now and they rank games, you know, there's an A tier and there's a B tier. Uh, and a lot of times a home game against an opponent that isn't that good isn't even a B. Uh, and even though Northwestern, you know, has, you know, for one of the few times in program history, they've got a decent reputation because of what they did last year. You know, their rankings have really fallen. I think they're 76th now uh, in Ken Palm. And this isn't even an A or a B game. So does this game move the needle at all from an NCAA tournament perspective? Uh, I mean, it probably depends a little bit on what Northwestern you know turns out to be. At this point, I just has to win games. Quite frankly, I mean, if yeah, um, you know, that's what anytime anybody asks me is like they just have to keep winning. It, you know, they need to win a lot of games um to make up for what they said because the, the reality is, and they kind of showed it up. You know, they flashed that. I, I don't know that it was like a turn, you know, just kind of a profile of the team, and and it you know said you know good wins. It really only had the Notre Dame win because if you think about who IU has beaten that is really in the at-large picture uh, or would probably be in the tournament if it started today, that's really the only one. Um, you know, Minnesota is in free fall. They just got smoked uh, at home by Purdue yesterday. Uh, Penn State, while I think, you know, we believe they're a, a decent team and kind of expected them to challenge for a bid, they really haven't done anything that's going to warrant that. Northwestern's kind of in the same boat. So when you step back and look at it that way, it's great to get the wins, but but they have, they've beaten one team that, that – you know, is would probably be safely in the tournament. Even Notre Dame doesn't have a, a, a tremendous looking resume, but um, you know, certainly a game they couldn't afford to lose if you look at it that way. And I think you start to get into some of these other games where you know you're going to have better chances uh, at, at a win that might look a little bit better. But you know, to put it in some level of context, there's a um, Bracketville, which is one of the other sites. I think he uh, either won or uh, now he came close to winning the. Uh, you know, bracket matrix last year. So he does a seed list that goes out pretty far, um, probably further than any of mine would. So uh, I use actually on it. So that's good. Hey, um, but it's four, eight, 12, 16, 20, 24, 28. They're in like the uh, among like the teams 29 to 32 out of the at large picture. So, I mean, they're in the picture, I guess. So close um, to the first four bubble is what you're close, saying. Close to the first four. <laughs> if the first four, if the, it's, it's they're definitely within the first four times eight. 
out. So that's good. If they um, make it the first 40, then yeah, clearly. So, yeah. So if they expand it from Dayton to various other you know towns in the in and around the Dayton area, then that's possible. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, who knows what can happen? This year has been pretty crazy. And, and yeah, uh, you, know, you know, nobody has, you know, even the teams that everybody thinks are good continue to lose. So uh, anything is possible. We're still probably too early to uh, to really think too much about it. But we'll we'll see. It was. Yeah. It, Clark feels like one of those guys where. It, where like everybody's in and if somebody this happens every year that's like oh this team should be in this team should be in and they're like well the field isn't 96 teams yet so you can't have it like everybody can't be in uh so we'll we'll see but um you know he, he had some good things to say i thought about you know how things were progressing so uh that was that was good to hear he also used the term trousers and talking about someone's shorts i think someone got a foul for grabbing someone's shorts and he said i think he grabbed his trousers yeah, yeah, it's a great it's a great word. It's nice to see that word coming back. Reminded me of my grandma. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, breaking down Indiana's 66-46 victory over Northwestern. You know, maybe the more important point, Andy, than, you know, okay, where does this put Indiana and how important is this for the NCAA tournament profile is, you know, for one of the first times all season, I thought in the second half, Indiana looked like an NCAA tournament team. You know what I mean? Like they just they they played confidently. They were you know playing effectively on both ends of the floor, playing with focus, playing with energy, playing with consistency, and they looked like a team that would belong in the NCAA tournament. And I think you have to do that, you know, and then start doing it consistently, and then rack up the victories before you can really talk about actually being in the NCAA tournament. And certainly, you know, during stretches of that Notre Dame game, uh, they did that. But this is a team, this is a Northwestern team that has struggled this year, but was in the tournament last year, you know, return almost that entire team. You know, so this isn't a slouch team that Indiana did this against today. And so I think that's maybe one of the big takeaways from this game is we saw an NCAA tournament team in these Hoosiers. Now the question is, can they get enough wins to overcome some of the bad losses that they've had to build a resume that would warrant that type of discussion uh, for real? And that we don't know. But I tell you what, I think I speak on behalf of all of us when I say we certainly feel better about it after these last three games than we did coming out of that Wisconsin game. And that's a real sign of progress. And I think this just leads to a very important and well-earned tip of the cap to Archie Miller after his 150th victory for what he has done rallying this team after the disappointment of that Wisconsin loss where we're all kind of panicking. It kind of feels like one of those games, man, you know, where's the season going to go from here? You know, look like this team totally checked out in the second half. Have they quit on their coach? Yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. Then Deron Davis gets hurt. And now you're thinking, man, uh, now we're really going to be up against it. And here Indiana's won three games against Big Ten opponents, one of them on the road, one of them by 20 points. And there's legitimate reason to feel good and to have some optimism. Good spot to be in. Yeah, and I, I I would agree. I mean, it, it it just goes to show how unpredictable this team continues to be. I mean, at the at the time when things seem to be their lowest, uh, you know, turn around and you totally redeem yourself. Yeah, I don't I don't really you know it it's been uh yeah it, it's 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 been strange, but I think it's good to see them be able and you see them starting to gain some confidence, particularly on the defensive end, where they you know trusting each other and knowing that if I if I play the pick and roll this way, somebody's going to rotate into the correct spot and. Um, you know, it's just such a such a big deal for them to start to build some of that confidence. I think they're starting to do it, and they're starting to see that. Hey, look, if we can play defense this way, um, we're able to cover up some of our offensive uh, deficiencies until things start to get going. And and you know, that was pretty much exactly what happened today. And that was, I think, for this team is what's going to have to be the blueprint. While Archie Miller has said, and we all hope this team is going to shoot the ball better than they have so far. The reality is they they more often than not haven't shot it well um but if they play defense the way they did today they're going to be able to keep themselves in enough games that if they start to get hot they, they put themselves in a position to make plays on the stretch and i think you know between the minnesota game and the penn state game uh today obviously didn't come down to the stretch we saw a team that executed a little bit better at the end of games than we did against duke and louisville uh in some of those games so i think that's a positive as well that they've got some confidence they can they can perform well in those situations Yep. All right. Coming up on our final segment of this edition of the Assembly Call, we hand out our game balls. We look ahead to Indiana's next opponent, Michigan State, on Friday. And then we deliver our final thoughts on Indiana's 66-46 victory over Northwestern in last call. That is next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us.
You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, wrapping up our breakdown of Indiana's 20-point victory over the Northwestern Wildcats at Simon Scott Assembly Hall today. Uh, Andy, it is time for game balls. A whole lot of guys to choose from today. Who gets your game ball? Uh, I'm definitely going to go with Robert Johnson. Shocking to, to no one, but uh, did hit you know hit five threes, led the team in scoring and rebounding, uh, had three assists. That was second behind uh, Colin Hartman, as you mentioned. Just just two turnovers. Uh, got credited with a block shot here. I don't know that I remember that, but all right. Um, so I thought he I thought he played really well. And then we talked about his defense on Scotty Lindsay. I thought he was a big factor in in how poorly Lindsay shot the ball uh, and real and played 36 minutes. So played more minutes than anybody by. Uh, a pretty wide margin. I mean, you had Newkirk played 30, and the next closest guy to that was uh, Hartman, I think, with 22. So, um, you know, continue to play a lot of minutes and a lot on his on his shoulders, but I thought he played really well. Um, and, and really, that stretch you mentioned, you know, taking those two threes in, in succession there really showed some confidence that in the first half, he, those are the shots that he was passing up. And whether that was discussed with him at halftime or or not, I don't really know. But he certainly, uh, you know, seemed to come out with with more confidence and um, and and a guy that I obviously needs to to step up and shoot the ball well. And I thought it was a good uh, bounce back for him after playing fairly poorly against Penn State. Yeah, boy, you can make an argument for a lot of guys, and certainly Juwan Morgan with what he did and how important he was at the start of the second half could warrant mention here. But I agree with you, Robert would be my guy on a day when so many guys were in foul trouble in that first half, and you needed some upperclassmen to step up and keep you afloat and keep things going. Robert did that, uh, and as you mentioned, led the team in scoring. I thought the timing of his three-pointers were really big, uh, and so he gets my game ball as well. Uh, and it's nice to see him, you know, starting to to be consistent. He's been What's his line? Let me pull his lineup here um, from a scoring perspective. He scored 17 today. Obviously, he only had 10 against Penn State and didn't have a particularly good shooting night. Uh, then had you know 28 against Minnesota, 14 against Wisconsin. He's now been in double figures in every game uh, since that donut that he had against Louisville. Um, and so I know that you know sometimes the efficiency hasn't been all that pretty um, and exactly what you'd want, but he's also rebounding. He's had at least five rebounds in three straight games. He's had at least two assists in three straight games, uh, and obviously he continues to play consistent defense. So uh, on a team of guys that have been inconsistent, and certainly Robert has been too at times, there's no question about it, uh, he is, at least from a production standpoint, uh, for a guy who's playing that many minutes, you know, able to produce while he's out there, and today was, uh, was a really strong performance from him uh, in a game when his team needed it. So nice job, uh, nice job by Robert. All right, let's look ahead to Michigan State, Andy. Um, this is a game I think that all of us looked at, have looked at all season as, okay, I think you termed it a throwaway, actually, on Assembly Call Radio, uh, just because it's a game that you assume that you're going to lose. And, and I don't think anybody is you know, now expecting that Indiana is going to go up there uh, and beat Michigan State, the fifth-ranked team in Ken Palm. But it seems a little bit more likely than it did a week ago. You know, Michigan State is coming off two performances, well, actually three, if you go back to the Ohio State game. They got beaten by 16 at Ohio State, and they've played two straight home games against Rutgers. They only won by four, and Rutgers took them to overtime. That's the 121st-ranked Rutgers Scarlet Knights. And then Michigan beat them by 10 in a game that really wasn't even competitive down the stretch. I mean, Northwest Michigan really had control of that game late, uh, and and... You know, Michigan State didn't even have a chance there the last three or four minutes to win that one. So, you know, I don't know how well Indiana is going to match up against Michigan State. And on the one hand, you're encouraged by that loss against Michigan. And on the other hand, you're thinking, oh, great. They've had these two bad performances and now Izzo's got them for a week. It's probably going to be hell for them. And, and they're just going to be so ready for this game and ready to come out and play. So you could kind of look at that either way. But I feel better about it than I did a week ago because this Indiana team seems more confident, more confident, more competent. Uh, you know, better chemistry together. They seem like they have a better idea of what they're out there trying to do, playing harder for longer stretches. And Michigan State seems to be reeling a bit. So I think, look, maybe we've got a chance to go up there and make it a competitive game. And if we hit a few shots, who knows? Yeah, I mean, they, they really, somehow they managed to get three uh, Big Ten home games in a row, but, you know, whatever. Um, they, you know, they really have not played well. They, they got blown out in their Ohio State game, the Rutgers game, the Michigan game, as you said. Um, and if you kind of look at their their stats from a Big Ten from in Big Ten play, um, you know, if you're if you're looking for areas of vulnerability, they they're last in the league in forcing turnovers defensively, uh, and they're ninth in the league in in offensive turnover rate. And they turned the ball over at a really high rate against Michigan. I, I looked at it a second ago. I want to say it was. 23 25 percent um so that continues to be a, a, an issue for them and and 
Um, you know, I think they're struggling a little bit with with how they need to play. They have a ton of size, and yet somehow they're shooting um, almost forty percent of their their shots in in Big Ten play from beyond the arc. Uh, and they're eighth in the league in two point field goal percentage, which seems unfathomable given Jaron Jackson, Nick Ward, Miles Bridges, um, you know, the kind of size that they that they have. It doesn't really make any sense. Um, not only doesn't it doesn't make sense the the shots that they're taking, but the fact they're not converting at a higher rate, even on the two pointers they do take. So, you know, the big thing to watch out for for IU is their their free throw rate is at 45 uh, in Big Ten play so far. So, again, IU can't afford for a Juwan Morgan certainly to get into foul trouble, but you know, really anybody. So they'll put some pressure on IU that way. I think it's a game though where we you know we talked about this a little bit. I think on Assembly Call Radio with you know IU having to play smaller, it gives them a chance um, to to really hopefully create some mismatches. Um, and I think that was you know something that happened yesterday is you know Nick Ward you know was was neutralized a little bit because he couldn't play against Wagner it was a little bit like um you know a little bit like what happened to to Duran quite honestly in that game you know Nick Ward only ends up playing 14 minutes and just really defensively ended up committing four fouls and, and just defensively struggled to um you know to, to to hang with somebody a little bit more mobile so um whether he gets the assignment of Justin Smith or uh, or Juwan Morgan you'd like to see IU take advantage of some of those things so if you're looking for a, a matchup that might play in IU's favor I think that would be a, a big one to look at initially yeah, you know, and obviously a couple of keys here, as it always is against Michigan State, you're going to have to rebound. This is the fifth best uh, offensive rebounding team in the country. They get almost 38% of their missed shots. And it's obviously been a big key for Indiana, holding their own on the defensive glass after that uh, Wisconsin debacle in the second half. Indiana's done it against three straight opponents, but they're going up against a whole other level of rebounding team against Michigan State. And then you look at strength against strength, you know, Indiana has really relied this year on its two point field goal percentage. You know, for the Hoosiers are a team, obviously not shooting well from three point range, but they've stayed afloat offensively because they're hitting almost 54 percent of their two pointers, uh, which is 57th in the country. But Michigan State will enter this game on Friday. Uh, as the number one team in terms of two-point field goal defense. So they are holding opponents to just 35.5% on two-point field goals, which is truly a remarkable number. Obviously, it hasn't been as good of late, uh, but that shows you the kind of potential that they have. So Indiana's going to have to find some ways to score. Uh, you know, something that always seems to plague us at Michigan State are long stretches where we don't score. Uh, and, you know, when they go on, you know, a big run or two that kind of pushes the game out. And so we've really got to try and avoid that. And I think obviously if a guy like Robert Johnson can step up and make a three here and there, uh, you know, to prevent some of those runs. And if Juwan Morgan can stay on the floor uh, and, you know, look again, he only had two fouls today. So it's not like uh, he hasn't really shown us that he has that ability. Um, you know, those are some of the things that are going to have to happen. You know, you get road wins against teams like Michigan State because your seniors step up and play really well. Uh, similar to what Robert and Juwan, uh, you know, guys like that did against Minnesota. So um, I, I guess I kind of just lumped Juwan in with the seniors now because he's been so consistent, although he's only a junior. Um, but uh, but I think he's kind of earned that that stature. Um, but that's what's going to have to happen for Indiana to go up there and then, you know, just hope that, uh, you know, whatever whatever message Tom Izzo is going to eventually instill that's going to turn Michigan State around uh, doesn't happen until after Friday. Yeah, and I mean, we talked about the bench a lot in this game. That's, you know, Michigan, all five starters averaging double figures. Then they've got Matt McQuaid, who who scores six and a half points a game, and nobody else scores over four. Um, so they've got some role players that will come in off the bench, but maybe another area where, you know, IU could, uh, you know, be able to have have a little bit of an advantage. And and this really, you know, while it would obviously be great to get the win, this is the first game in, in a little while, at least, where there wasn't a lot of pressure on IU. And, um, you know, nobody at this point is expecting them to go in there and win. But I think if you look back at these last few games, I think um, there has, you know, these last couple of home games in particular, a lot of pressure for, you know, to kind of win these. They needed to build some momentum. I think that the Minnesota game, there was a lot of pressure after the how the Wisconsin game went. Um, and I think that, you know, this is a game you're kind of playing with house money. And, and so what do you really, you know, just go in there and, you know, don't be loose with the basketball, but just kind of play. Uh, play loose and play the way they did in the second half and see what happens. I think that's, uh, I think, a good thing for this team, a situation where you really don't have to overthink anything because I think we've seen them do that over the course of the season so far. So one where it's like, look, nobody expects you to do anything. The, you know, play the nobody believes in this card, do whatever you got to do there and yep. uh, see what happens. Absolutely. All right, you're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Remember that because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off your entire order at HoosierProud.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear, 
one of our assembly call logo t-shirts or one of Hoosier Proud's unique Indiana inspired designs, visit HoosierProud.com and use the promo code assembly at checkout. That's HoosierProud.com promo code assembly for 15% off your entire order. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms. It is time for last call as we wrap up our breakdown of Indiana's 20 point win over Northwestern. Andy, your final statement on this Indiana victory. Well, at the beginning of our show after the Wisconsin game, I kind of went on a mini rant about we know who this team is and, you know, the the team that that quit and and played that way was who this team was. Well, I apparently don't know what I'm talking about <laughs> because, uh, you know, the way they've played since then uh, really is is surprising on on a number of levels. But it's exciting to see. And I think that's all that everybody wanted from a a fan's perspective to be able to see, Hey, this is something building. Um, we see what's going on we see what the blueprint is. Uh, and, and while you're not seeing it all the time, uh, you're seeing it in enough flashes and it's certainly the best cons- three consecutive games that the team has played over the course of the season, like w- with, uh, with no question whatsoever about that. And so, um, you know, credit to these guys to really turn around. Uh, and I think they you can kind of see with the way they play today, they just continue to gain confidence uh, as they go, as, as things start to work, I guess, for, for lack of a better term. And, and um, so I think that's an exciting thing for them. And uh, I think we'll have a confident team going into East Lansing, whether they you know can win that game or not, I don't know. Um, but I think these guys can and should go into that game with some confidence because they've been playing really well and uh it's exciting to see so uh i you know sometimes it's not great to be wrong but in this case i'm happy to be wrong that that the the team we saw at wisconsin maybe that team uh has gone away a little bit or at least they've uh at least they've taken a vacation over these last few games and uh exciting to see you know these guys start to build on what's going on and see just the number of guys who are making contributions as we've talked about so many times before that um you know one guy has an off game other guys step up and we you know at times earlier in the season it was like well if this guy doesn't show up like there's no chance of winning uh, yeah. i'm not sure that's the case anymore yeah whatever that ugly nonsense was in the second half against wisconsin it seems like we left it in madison uh because these last three games have really they've each offered different reasons to be encouraged and and again as i mentioned earlier now here we sit you know four and two in the conference and we enter this game on friday against michigan state a game like you know andy that you termed a throwaway game that certainly michigan state's going to be favored and will probably win you know by 10 11 points but I think all of us go into it feeling a little bit of hope. And I think that's a really good spot to be in here in mid-January. I think the overall trajectory of this season is really going about how any reasonable-minded Hoosier fan would have predicted it to go early in the season. The difference, of course, is that the lows have been really, really low. You know, there have been some bad losses, and there maybe isn't, you know, just the huge one like Indiana didn't upset Duke or do something like that to offset it. But the steady progress overall, you're kind of seeing a program that's taken two steps forward and maybe a step or a half step back and then another couple more steps forward. And that kind of progress is really important. It's really good to see. And you're seeing a team that has had a lot of bad habits that slowly but surely has started to discard some of that those bad habits. The turnover numbers you know, haven't been as egregious. The defense is much better and more consistent. Uh, obviously, if this team can get its outside shooting turned around at all uh, and, and just become an average or even a good three-point shooting team, you know that really ups what they're going to be capable of. But man, this was an impressive performance today uh, against a you know again an opponent that made the NCAA tournament last year. Uh, and so I think a lot of reasons to to go out of this weekend feeling positive. Uh, the team now gets obviously this week, you know, they'll have Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday to, to really work and get prepared for this Michigan State game. Uh, and it's nice to see these Hoosiers have a game where really everybody contributed positively to the victory. Uh, it was Indiana's most complete performance of the season. In a lot of ways, Indiana's most encouraging performance of the season. Uh, and I'm just at the point now where I can't wait to see him play again. <laughs> and coming out of that Wisconsin game, I don't think that's how anybody was feeling. But it's nice three games later to have that feeling be totally reversed. All right, that'll do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Remember that our live broadcasts immediately following every IU game are always available on our homepage at assemblycall.com and on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And you can always catch up on demand anytime with our podcast. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you again Thursday night for Assembly Call Radio. We will have a more expansive preview of that Michigan State game. And then, of course, we'll talk to you Friday night after IU Michigan State. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. 
and go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com support that lists five ways that you can support The Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show... We appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client.